Oh, it's working. It's back again. We're doing another podcast. Obviously, uh, if you're listening to this and the other one, you won't realise that they're done back-to-back. We've let light in on magic. We're doing a Music Ally podcast. And uh, to kind of balance the, the fact that we had two women last time, we've got two men so that we are very inclusive. So uh, we've got two guests. Uh, and we've also got Stuart Dredd sitting in the corner as well. I love how we justify mansplaining with a panel of four men by yes. being inclusive. Yes. No, that, that, we, we, we've done it. That's it. The more women I'll, need it on I'll the internet. I'll happily take the tokenism baton. Right, you can be token. Are yeah, you token lawyer? lawyer. Yes. <laughs> and you are? My Introduce name, yourself, my dear man. Uh, my name is Cliff Fluey. Um I am a partner in law firm Lewis Silkin, um, specialising in digital media and entertainment. And I'm also director of a company by the name of Eleven, which offers strategic advisory services to the digital media industries. Do you get into trouble with Eleven Management because you've got a very similar name? I have the trademark. Oh, of course, you're a lawyer. Oh. oh. <laughs> and then our other guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Drury, co-founder of Seven Digital. Also sit on the board of a company called Marmalade, who are a games tech company. Do uh, you get in trouble with the uh, the breakfast spread? Yeah. Having in there. Yeah. Well, actually, in the office, they've got every type of marmalade you could ever imagine. It's all slightly going off as well. Oh, brilliant. Oh, wow. <laughs> and also another company called Interseed, which is in the internet security space. Oh, wow. Look at that. Everybody's doing lots of stuff, and I'm just kind of bumbling along as usual, just doing nothing. Really doing like, lots of stuff? Yeah. yeah am- ambition. Been. Have some ambition. <laughs> so we are, yeah, that, yeah, an empire of, of dust, I believe, as uh, uh, who do you call them? Nine Inch Nails, meaty bloke, described it as, didn't they? Wasn't that in Hurt? That was the law oh, the of Hurt. Industry, you were saying. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It just my empire is one of dust. Oh, you know one oh. shells lyric and it's not the one I quote. Oh no, but you know that's very un- that's very unquotable. Anyway, uh, in phase two of our podcast, we are going to look at the year in review, which is uh, what we do. It's uh, what you have to do in December. You have to take stock. You have to think of where we came from and and use that as as kind of the the uh, the building blocks for next year. If you want to be uh, profound or just like cheesy about it or we can just make terrible jokes about what's happened at other people's expenses during Why the year change a winning formula well it's not a formula and it's certainly not winning <laughs> but let's 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 stick with it so there's lots and lots of things that we want to talk to you about and we've kind of uh, tailored some of the issues specifically around your areas of expertise and uh, some perhaps not so but we will kind of we will get to those first thing that I want to talk about is it's probably for various reasons, the biggest story of the year, it certainly in our little world of, of digital music, was the arrival of Apple Music. But I want to also talk about other things that were kind of happening around that. You obviously had Jay-Z's company buying Tidal, and then you also had the closure of Audio uh, towards the end of the year. Which are almost It's almost like a kind of modern morality tale somewhere in there, in, the, in these kind of moments. What I think we'll probably start with because this is this is very much your uh what is it the the americans have they have that terrible phrase is it wheelhouse is that it yeah yeah so this is your wheelhouse oh yes feel the pressure yes go on oh so apple music yes if it, a fan not a yeah. fan i think it launched with a not really a bang a bit of a whimper right i, I was pretty underwhelmed i went straight on the trial as as you would expect me to probably right and it was adequate i guess um i listened to Beats. oh damn it we're feeling praise it was adequate <laughs> did what it says on the tin just about um beats one 
Uh, it didn't work for me to start with, but I managed to get onto Beats One, and it's a radio station. It's a radical innovation. Yeah, it's a radio station. It's a new thing. It, it, they've only existed for like 150 years. It's funny. We're Linear radio station. <laughs> you can't pause. You can't skip. It's it's you know radical we're, innovation. We were talking about this last week, stroke fortnight, depending on when this goes out. Yes. In our last podcast, and we were saying like in in the UK, we're used to like Radio One and its specialist shows. Yeah. In the US with the commercial radio they're all going wow Beats One's amazing people talking about music they love and playing yeah. it actually radio without ads mm. in, in the US is pretty mm. is pretty radical mm. and they obviously have NPR and stuff but, but like I say we all listened to it I think and went oh this is like Radio 1 because we've been spoiled with the BBC yeah well again I mean I just want to throw in there I mean I worked for years at a radio station I think one of the big mistruths about the industry is that radio is a simple business. Actually, good radio is really, really hard. And we really, really spot in the UK. And I'm not sure it's any coincidence that the wholesale raid that Apple made on people at Radio 1 and 6 Music means that they've ended up with something worldwide. So outside of the UK, Beats 1 is being seen as amazing because they've never heard anything like it. So. Yeah. I think it's one of the bits of Apple music that needs to be celebrated, actually, because making good radio is really hard. Mm. And certainly it was celebrated at Seven Digital because we merged last year with a radio company. Oh, there he is. Crowbar it in. There we go. Well, I had to. <laughs> of course. And, um, it was an open goal. We would have expected we, nothing else. And we, you know, we... <coughs> We merged with UBC, and one of the theories was, and we didn't we didn't really know whether it was going to come to truth, was that um, there would be a little bit of a convergence going on between the radio industry and the digital music industry, and that there would be more people interested in radio-type services. Up to that point, the word phrase radio had been hijacked by the digital music industry to mean playlists. Mm -hmm. This is not radio. Anyone, anyone who actually listens to radio knows that radio is so much more than just a bunch of songs played in in, a, in an order well until playlists do have the weather forecast at the end it's not radio not in not in my name cheesy djs yeah. special radio edit versions that you know that radio stations edit which are not supposed to and all kinds of tricks and things that radio makes what makes radio local news weather traffic alerts everything that's yeah. radio personality you know the, the playlisting as as cliff was saying the playlisting art in in radio is about time of day and the top of the hour and what song you play after the news and those sort of things are not they're not in the music digital music world they're not in the, in no. the mindset or the well kind of, people are trying to kind of find some compromise that stuff that spotify's doing with shows like steve J jonesy's jukebox and the jungle show and pop justice have got a show with them recording links so they're almost presenting a, 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 as a radio style show yeah that's the convergence we yes. talked about. So um, I, I guess when Apple launched Beats One, it was it was quite good news for Seven Digital because it meant that everybody else started to pay more attention to real radio rather than just playlists of music. The other thing that I wanted to point out about Apple Music was, and it didn't really get much pickup, but our our tenants in our office were a company called Music Metric. I'm I'm aware of their work. <laughs> Apple bought them. Yes. And so Apple Apple until pretty much. This week, Apple have been paying us rent at Seven Digital, so Apple's technically been a customer of ours. Amazing, Digital, which wow. is quite a, one of those funny things. But um, do they pay on time, or do they come up with excuses? The best payers we've ever had. Well, <laughs> you would expect nothing less. <laughs> and um, it's just 
it was a shame that that didn't get more pickup because um, I, you know, I, I work really closely with the guys, the founders of Music Metrics. A fantastic UK music tech story. Mm -hmm. Apple doesn't buy many companies full stop, and Apple certainly doesn't buy many UK companies. Well, unfortunately, um, nobody could really talk about it beyond saying that it had been bought because Apple never talked about anything. So you were never, you were never going to get them. <laughs> do or some work then. Do, do that was so amazing. Up. We had an amazing genius journalistic scoop with that story, which basically yes. was was someone around the office and went. I can't get into my music account. They're not answering emails. Do you know if they're all right? And I only really could look on company's house and I'm like, oh, they've got a new director. Who's that? Oh, it's Apple's corporate lawyer. And we just accidentally discovered they've been bought <laughs> because someone rang up cross that they couldn't get into their account. There you go. I think That's spin a story slightly. Yeah. You know. And then I met no. someone in three months in a car park. And yeah, yeah. No, he, he <laughs> was probably. <laughs> That's a separate story, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was in Amsterdam, and I was. You know. Well, I'm not, nobody say deep throat. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you are like me, Cliff. You actually quite like Apple Music. I do like Apple Music. Um, I do. I did take umbrage with the fact that people were comparing a product that was a few weeks old with a product that's been iterated considerably over the last eight years. Um, but at the same time, I think that the challenge for Apple Music is going to be you've got 850 million credit cards and I think the guys at Apple thought it would be relatively straightforward to go for a big chunky 10 or 5 percent of that market well within that though the figure the figure all we heard is that at most of the 850 million 100 million Apple customers have bought music at some point so mm -hmm. 750 million of those people that Apple have in the database have, have never right, yeah. up a penny from you. So. No, no, no I, I understand that. And again, you so, know, it, so it's 5% of 100 million then. And 100 million is still a big number. Yeah, yeah, but of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And if they are, it's 5% of 100 million, then they've, they've made it. So that, that's what I'm saying is that basically there's a lot of false numbers out there as to what the take-up's going to be. I think the real challenge is going to be, as ever, and it's the open conversation right now, is about the free funnel. Apple's argument was give three people three months of this and they will convert. The Spotify argument is you need the free tier to move people Great over words. time. And this negotiation stroke battle is going on right now in rooms across London in order to see what the new services look like. And it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. I also wonder how important the fact of having the free, the, the permanent free funnel is to people dipping in and out. Yeah. I certainly have dipped in and out. You know, being a Spotify premium subscriber, then not been because then you get Vodafone and you get a free one. So I've dipped in and out, and there's been several services like that, Amazon Prime, for example, that I've dipped in and out of, depending, you know, what time in your life you're at, where and how much you're going to be be able to spend time with that. I was obviously not that's not what subscription services want. They want you to be locked yeah. in, like Sky. But Spotify is a month by month thing. You can just cancel and then. Um, you don't lose your playlists. And I've gone and done the oddest thing. So two weeks ago, I actually went and took out the high def um, subscription for Tidal. Well, see, this is the other thing we want to talk about. I'm talking about uh, this three month, three month free trial. Yeah. They've just done a thing partnership with the NME, giving right. NME readers free three free months to Tidal. So this this seems to be kind of the new one month trial, which yeah. every service did, yeah. and they obviously realised, obviously Audio realised that this wasn't enough to kind of draw people in. Yeah. So and and actually, um, somebody I saw on a social network somewhere said, "The older you get, the more obsessed with sound quality you you get." Actually, I've jumped over to Tidal because of the lossless, because I'm spending lots of money on headphones. I've got, you know, uh, Diavolet oh, Phantom speakers, etc., etc. 
and actually you've realised that if you're going to spend all that money on kit, you'd better have some decent thing going through it. Now, I understand that I am a self-selecting small audience, as it were, but it is a new audience, and we're now starting to see, back to your original question as to what's going on, we're seeing the market mature. We're seeing consolidation, which always happens in any new business. You clear out the suckers, as they said in trading places, when Eddie Murphy's explaining how the market works. <laughs> so we're going through that bit now, where the suckers are being cleaned out, and we are now going to find out who the big guys are. What I think will be very, very interesting to notice is how many new entrants there'll be in streaming music in the next 12 months. I would have uh, not many. Well, I would I would ask you as a lawyer, how many companies are coming to you and uh, with kind of new business models that involve kind of protracted licensing negotiations and how many of them run out the building screaming when you start to explain how devilishly complex and well, well, painful for, it is? Well, for years I have explained to people that the world does not need another Spotify or Deezer. It just doesn't. Um... And when you explain how it works, they look at you in complete disbelief as if you don't get it for a while. But what we are going to see is some really interesting innovation around it. And, you know, a lot of the companies I'm working with are around that more contextual aspect of streaming. Because uh, one of the things I do say to the streaming services is that no one will confuse a jukebox with a radio. You like to call yourself radio, but you're actually a jukebox, really. That's what a playlist is at best. It's not the lean-back experience that people want to have. And if you look at the sheer numbers, the likes of Pandora are doing extraordinarily well in three territories globally, and one of them that only matters. So I think the thing to watch in the next year will be what Pandora is going to do with its new... The new thing it's just picked up from the shop. Yes. And when that two and things. how that rolls out. Mm. The two things they've rolled in the shop and how that rolls out in the next year, I think will be the thing to watch. So what, I, I like to add to... to to Cliff's point, we at Seven Digital we see a lot of innovation because our role is to provide a platform for other people to innovate on and create new music services. And I completely agree. We don't see a Spotify clone coming. Um, we've had we get the occasional inquiries and we say, "How much money have you got?" Yeah. If it's less than <laughs> half a billion dollars, then we shut the conversation down because that's what it takes. Yeah. You know? That's what it takes. To we'll, talk, we'll talk about investment then. What about the... But just to, the, finish, the, the, sorry, oh, just to sorry. finish the point, we see loads of innovation in streaming. What's what's really interesting about streaming as opposed to downloading is that there are so many more business models that get um, uh, enabled and there's so many more um, uh, niche opportunities and things. So from, from high quality, high definition streaming, MQA stuff that we're yeah. working on. And titles moving to MQA within the next yes, few months. Yes, absolutely. We've been a exciting. big supporter of uh, Meridian and MQA and we're a big believer in it. And that really goes beyond lossless um, into better than CD quality, which is something that we've been strong, strong believers in. And it's not just an audiophile niche. It's maybe a niche market, but it's not ultra niche like the audiophile market may be. But all the radio services that we're seeing, free streaming, Christian music service we have in the US and all of these different kinds of things, there's loads of innovation that's happening out there that um, maybe it's a good thing that the, the mainstream services, the $10 a month, £10 a month for everything, the jukebox type services, is, <coughs> that's kind of a done thing now. Um, and now we're actually moving to more innovative cycle again. We had quite an interesting conversation the other week with, with um, someone who can't really talk about, which was about where's the market going and they said actually if you assume that the market is going to have Apple and YouTube stroke Google and Amazon in it, then who can compete against them? And it is like can Spotify, can Pandora compete against those companies? And who else? 
And it does seem like, it, 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 is there a risk that the market is going to spare You have to have a massive technology business doing mm -hmm. something else to, to, to cope with the kind of economics of the big jukebox streaming services. And the BBC, of course, have announced that they're going to get involved in this space mm -hmm. um, as part of Lord Hall's big announcement that music has to sit along news and sport as what the part of the BBC's holy trinity as well. And you see what the BBC's done with regard to iPlayer. I mean, Playlister has had good pickup, but, you know, it's not quite as ubiquitous. But it'll be interesting to see what they, they move into the space. So, um, But for an external startup or a business that's completely new and green, this is a maturing market, and it's certainly not for the uh, faint of heart or weak of wallet. So what about mm -hmm. the, the issues of, if, if we kind of began the year with uh, the acquisition of Tidal and uh, then the closure of audio. So what in terms of kind of what Tidal are doing, because like Stu and I, we, we've been writing about them for years when they, was, when they were known as WIMP, and they were kind of operating in the Nordics and seemed a really interesting company, this kind of plucky upstart company, doing really interesting things. And then suddenly when they were bought, Suddenly, this global attention was poured on them, and it was—you could almost feel the company trembling because they were—they kind of existed in their own little world, and they occasionally would kind of get pick up outside of the outside of Scandinavia. It's a bit like Jeremy Corbyn. Whatever <laughs> they've done has been put, ended up in the press as them being dreadful and rubbish. It, like, well, well hang on, hang on. They did a massive celebrity they yes. rolled out with their mates, and they didn't exactly do it as a shrinking violet when they announced the yeah. But you know, that that's like Jeremy Corbyn sharing on the stage with Diane Abbott, then, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> but you know what the point is? That, that it's kind of more like the, everything he's done has been interpreted as like, oh, this is a complete PR catastrophe. Yeah. And in a way, Tidal, like, they've said some sensible stuff and done some good things, but every media report has been like his title messing up again but they, they, they obviously have kind of yeah but they, you, they've, they've had such a turnover of ceos as well they're yeah. kind of wondering what's going on there there's, but, there's, there's clearly a crisis happening internally in the company but, the, for, but, the but for the business pages to have yeah no, but the product's very good you've got people if you look at tidal right now it'll remind you quite a lot of what spotify is turning into the discover the video the as well there's a lot of it that how should we say bears a striking resemblance yeah. to what Tidal has been doing for the last yeah. year. So it's had some fantastic ideas. And also, never underestimate the need for the business press to write a story that means that they've got an excuse to have a picture of Rihanna. Right? So Tidal is always going to have a disproportionate level of focus because of that launch. Yeah. And people will not leave it alone. And every move, every announcement will be a new crisis or a new high or a new low, which is and, unfortunate. And actually, unlike all the other streaming services, it's, it's, it has that USP of the hi-fi version. I mean, That's, Deezer has something else. But they've got Elite in the States. Yeah. 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 But Tidal has Which they've been very slow to kind of bring everywhere else, even though they said that they were going to do proper international expansion. That's not really happened. No. And again, you know, they did that in, in combination with, with the wonderful people at SARS. Um, Whose uh, wonderful studios we're in. I don't think we even said that at the top. And we have to we have to plug that uh, we're in the Sono Studios in London. Thanks for lending us the room. People very kind of you. can hear us. Yeah. Yes, so if you're, if you're listening at home on your gramophone, go, 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 and buy a, go and buy a Sonos. Um, but for that reason, um, I do think that that innovation and price innovation, it's one of the reasons why I think that the market is going to be forever be challenged. You get a lot of people saying, well, you know, because Netflix does this, music streaming will do that. Netflix and music streaming are completely different. Netflix is anything but an all-you-can-eat, all-catalogue service. It has very, very, very select, and it's also mostly in charge of its pricing. Mm -hmm. 
but and it's it also invest a lot of money directly into content. And then it turns but it also it isn't the well I, I don't subscribe, but people who do say that the UK version is a really terrible version of the US version. The US version it's seems to have there. better stuff. I've got friends who use a VPN just so they can get the US version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's getting there. You know, it's getting there. It will iterate. But in terms of dominance and or you know how many of your friends invite you around to Netflix and chill, Eamon, I imagine quite a few. Um, I don't. I, 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 I basically get. Don't ever call me ever again. I, I got a very proud email from Bonnie at Spotify when Urban Dictionary had Spotify and chill as a definition, and she was like, "My work here is That's done. It. I'm done. Mic drop. Yeah. Um. But for, but the fact that they are having this higher tier and they've got the videos and they had some Coldplay exclusives and you can buy. There's a significant pre-sale for the new tool for Rihanna. Yeah. You know they're doing stuff. So you know leave leave, leave them alone. And pick on someone your own size. Right. Question for who multi-millionaire Daisy? <laughs> am I allowed to ask questions? Or yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely, you, do you, you don't don't expect an answer, but but ask why. Do we think in the fullness of time that we will see music services investing in music? What becoming content owners? Yes. Uh, well, I guess they're kind of already doing it. In that, like Spotify have their sessions, which they kind of post a lot. Apple will be has done bespoke stuff in it's the past, but like actually like sewing an artist. It's promotional and, you know, yeah. we get, Seven Digital gets sent all the iTunes session stuff, so it's non-exclusive, it's... Uh, it's Yeah, but, it's but they're, they're, I guess there's, there's an argument that, that you could see that a bit like Radio 1 was invested in stuff by getting bands in to do sessions, because here are... But if there's no differentiation, yeah. if there's no differentiation in price, no differentiation in catalogue, mm. ultimately no differentiation in, in features and product and quality probably, and platforms that you're available on. Yeah. Like Apple Music is playing, still playing catch up. Is not yet on Sonos. About to be coming on Sonos. It's, uh, next week, just I believe. Fifteen. Just yeah. launched on Android, so it's catching up. But they, ultimately, there won't be any differentiation in those layers. So no. the only thing it comes down to, I mean, the label's basically dictating price. They're saying everyone has to be mm -hmm. not allowed to, but they're, not, they're saying everyone has to be uh, ten pounds a month. That's just the way the economics are set. Yeah. Um, and even at that, you're struggling to make a profit. I mean, you're really struggling to make a profit. Well, so you could go lower. You could yeah. go lower. You just means you're going to lose loads of money rather than just lose. With that content but, ownership thing, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that when you look at the whole industry and how artists make money, increasingly the recorded music is the base that on which the live and coming bills and everything else. It's a like. promotional tool. It's like the music video. So the why, but then there. why would you then say it's only on one service? I'm throwing in my lot with Apple. I think that's the risk. Is like if you're an artist wanting to build your live audience. Yeah. Can you afford to say I'll do this thing exclusively? But also, would you pay up front, right? That that would be the model. Or they are like like They'd with, pay with a massive the... advance, probably more than you'd ever hope to recoup. With, it was like the, with the with the U two album on iTunes, they probably got, they probably got a big enough advance than they would have got if they paid for that. But, but or, yeah, the Samsung Jay Z deal, remember that was last year, I think. It was yeah, was it twenty five million or something? It's not money. all about the cash. Mm. A lot of it is about promotion. If they're going to get homepage love, if they're going to have in-store love, if they're going to be featured on devices, if when you buy a new device, that's going to be the picture of that you've got on that. There's also other inventory that the likes of Apple have to play with, and that answers your rhetorical question as to why people would do it. Should they do it, of course, is the big question that everyone is uh, is wrestling with right well, now. Well, if they did do it, if you threw your lot in with Apple, are you going to be? is every other service going to boycott you? Well, it's more like that the whole, I mean, it's, it's a horrible overused phrase, like the attention economy at conferences. But, like, people care about you if they give you their time now as much as if they give you money. But if, if you're only saying only the people on Apple Music can give me their time and other people can't listen to me, this new album, 
people won't love it. I think it's really, I think it's a risk. But I can understand, like we say, Cliff, like why they would do it because of the money. But I think it's a risk for a band to just say, this whole bunch of people over here, we're not going to let you even have the album unless you private it. Well, but, so, but to the point that Ben is saying, though, is that I think I'm going uh, further. I'm saying they become a record label. Mm-hmm. But then, what, what, what's the knock-on effect? Because uh, I, it, it reminds me of that thing, probably about 12, 13 years ago. I think it was the Eagles came back with a new album, and they did a deal exclusively with HMV in Canada yeah, yeah, yeah. to be the sole retailer. Every other retailer in Canada that pulled all their stuff, and they realised that yeah, and they realised that the sales of back catalogue that they were experiencing in other shops was all drying up. So that idea of, of throwing your lot in with one company but and a completely fan, exclusive... You can still walk into HMV and buy the CD, cause you, whereas the streaming service, if you're paying for Spotify and you have all yeah. this stuff, and it's suddenly like... I don't know. It's, it feels like it's... I don't know. I mean, but maybe... In, I mean, a Netflix model, I suppose, is make their own shows. And but yeah, shows, and, but, and that, that's and the key but, difference. But they release them as DVDs, interestingly. Yeah. So you can buy them as... House of Cards, for example, you can buy as a, as a DVD mm. on Amazon. I mean, I'd be furious if, if one of my favourite bands released an album on a service I wasn't subscribing to. Because that's like, well, what's one... Are you a fan of Adele? Uh, she's alright. I don't dislike her. She's just Never heard of her. But she, I mean, is she new? Oh, I don't know. She's, mm. but she's a... Is, is, I don't she's know who they are. Fast, but she's not... I mean, but it's it's. But at the same time, you say you're furious, but at the same time, why can't they, shouldn't they have some choice? I mean, one of the key differentials, and I think a lot of what Ben is saying is the whole idea about... The reason that Netflix has gone to sign stuff and have exclusive deals with Marvel and Orange is the New Black and House of Cards is as a point of differentiation. And a lot of people I know quite happily both have Netflix and Amazon and flick between the two, you know, and and understand which shows are on which. And that allows for a more diverse economy. What we're ending up with is you say that you'd like the same thing on on every service, but when all the services have got exactly the same content at the same time, and they have to be at the same price. What then? Dot dot dot. It's kind of where we are now. It's one of the reasons why the market, I think, is stuck. If you can't have content innovation, you can't have price innovation, and you have people doing boycotts and pulling out and pull outs if you give exclusives to X, Y, and Z. Mm. Actually, great in the short term, but I think for the long term, health of the industry, diversity has to be key, and having a, a more, more more like a forest than a garden. Well, is I, what think, I think the figure we use is forty. You know the Peak of the CD market, there was forty thousand, pretty much forty thousand retailers globally. Now there could be four, if if what you say is true. I'm excluding Pandora because they're a little bit of an anomaly that can even really exist under the current model in the US, apart from Australia, because of the DMCA quirks. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Saga, I call them Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. I like that. <coughs> Perhaps Saga will launch so yeah. forty thousand to four yeah. is arguably what we've seen in terms of who's who's get significant market share. Let's, uh, let's talk about something that's not remotely controversial at all, which is uh, PRS, Sue and SoundCloud. <laughs> is this going to work? Is this... Uh, we, we were kind of having a debate the other day. We are going, is this a kind of backdoor way for them to kind of sue YouTube? Because is, is this a kind of safe harbour debate? Or is this conspiracy theory gone nuts that they're kind of picking on the weakest of the pack, which is relying a lot on UGC, and then having... The kind of the temperature of the legal situation well, I'm, changed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and be as objective as possible because everyone seems to be picking their battles on on, on this particular one. Um, the differentiator between YouTube and SoundCloud is that YouTube, a long time ago, before it had aggressive monetization, started talking to PRS. First few years denied it had to talk to anyone. 
and then it started doing deals. No one knew what was in those deals. Infamously, only three people at PRS knew what was in their deals, but at least there was a deal. So what PRS say is don't compare Google and um, SoundCloud because we had a deal with Google. No one knows what was there, but it was there. Um, and it and included some kind of element of retrospective. Allegedly. Genuinely. Genuinely. I still don't believe anyone that tells me that's in it because I'm not sure anyone has. I'm not even sure the people. Is, it, is, is, is this, is this the equivalent of those uh, Paul Daniels photographs in a safe <laughs> of, a, of a, a newspaper editor's office? I've not seen those either. No. David, so, uh, but so, appa- apparently they exist. <laughs> See, I was going to say shooting his cat, but. Yeah. You found yeah. the, the, the no, well, old Daniel's dog. Well, but but uh, but you know the the whole <laughs> thing. Interesting difference in <laughs> yeah. intellectual analogies there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cat. Yes. And, and, and Debbie McGee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's not go any further into this uh, this legal <laughs> quagmire. When we were doing a piece on this, we talked to a lot of people around these issues, and the the, the thing I got, but you tell me if I'm wrong here, was that with SoundCloud, the complaint is they they're using the, the safe harbor to say they don't need licensing deals. And with YouTube, it's that the, they're saying a similar position exists, but actually they are doing deals, but they're doing them from a position of strength because of the safe harbour, because everything is on there. And when, you're, when they're striking a deal with you, they're saying, well... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite clear. I mean, you know, I think it's beyond, beyond <coughs> doubt that what YouTube did is what you could do a few years ago, which is get launched, get enough sufficient scale, and then go back and do deals with, as Ben says, some element of retrospective nature to it. Mm. My understanding is that um, SoundCloud wants to have its freemium stroke subscription-esque service going forward and only wants to talk to the rights holders about going forward and PRS is no thank you very much we'd like to talk about the past please mm. which for anyone who has the joy of negotiating with the likes of PRS you know they say with what? Uh, stunning consistency we well, have let's to talk about the past before we can talk about the future let's kind of yeah my um, experience unpick- of um, music publishing is a lot of a lot of it's been retrospective licensing just because things don't move that quickly That's right. in the publishing world. And so as long as you're talking to them, they tend to be happy for you to, to launch services. How, how, how representative, though, is PRS of all publishers? Because you've, you've got this move where publishers want to do much more direct deals themselves on their own terms. So you're seeing, well, like, bit... Sumi TV doing deals directly with Pandora and stuff like that. So they seem yeah. to be pulling out of this collection society model and doing direct deals. So well, uh, what, how did the big publishers feel about SoundCloud? But again, than... with, without, without getting too, uh, too nerdy and um, putting some pens in my top pocket here, um, you need to understand what rights are being withdrawn and which ones are not. So a lot of those are mechanical rights and... You know, ideally, the publishers don't like collective licensing. Um, their good argument is that they don't have the best negotiators because, and it's a lowest common denominator approach. The bad argument is by withdrawing the rights, we can extort, stroke, negotiate more. So, you know, those are the two sides of the argument. But for whichever one of those reasons, they would like to have those rights back. But when it comes to making available performing rights, those sit with the collecting society. They sit with the people who have got those rights. And in the UK, that's PRS. Um, we'll leave Amara aside for, for one moment. Um, so PRS, and as we're seeing, there's been a massive collapse in mechanical income broadly from downloads and from CD sales. And everything is pivoting in the streaming world towards PRS revenues. And you've got a world where the MCPS has made a loss. You know, so... They need to shore up their income, and for them, this is an existential battle for the future. PRS has gone to all its members and asked them to take a tiny, tiny, tiny deduction from all their revenues 
in order to fund litigation. So PRS is one, aggrieved, and two, well resourced. So um, for lots of people who say a PRS going to blink, I'm not sure that they are. And it comes down to this fundamental issue as to whether or not you think safe harbour, mere conduit, various phrases tossed around is about pipes or platforms. Mm. Was it about covering, making sure that if you incidentally had a piece of content go across your pipe that was infringing, are you liable? Or was it for UGC platforms? So also, I think from another perspective that we see is that this kind of um, assumption within startups and within the tech world that DMCA is effectively a global no. thing. Mm. It's, US. it's not. It's a US It's not thing. even Canada. It doesn't exist. Oh, no, Canada's yeah. nasty. <laughs> DMCA doesn't exist anywhere else. And a lot of companies, you know, you still see it. Think, yeah, it's fine. We can do this under DMCA. It's like, no. No. So, hypothetically, if PRS win or SoundCloud win, is this going to set a massive legal precedent for everybody, or is this going to be just set a precedent for the battle between those two It'll make next YouTube bodies. negotiations quite fun, I would think. It would, it would, and, and, and it would, would have far-reaching implications, which, um, to the extent that um, it's appropriate to place a bet, I suspect some kind of deal might be done. You can bet your bottom dollar it will not be made public. Right. I can bet my bottom dollar that it would not be made public. Um, but are, are they going to wheel out these three people again that have seen this infamous deal with, with YouTube? Is it going to be them? It's difficult. Maybe just two. Like worst dinner party ever. <laughs> but for SoundCloud though, it's quite a bind, isn't it? Because they they need to raise more funding. Uh, from all accounts, raising the funding is difficult with these things hanging over mm. them, as well as the label deals that haven't been done. Universal, and there's that whole thing of how do they raise more money? to pay the massive back royalties to PRS and then carry on like they, they Well then do they do they spot. basically go, All right lads, wink wink, we'll do an IPO, everything will be sorted. That's a great question because basically you could see it as debt, right? They've got debt on their balance sheet. Mm. And no one knows how much that debt is. That all comes down to the negotiation out. Having raised quite a lot of money in my, in my past through VCs, the worst thing you want to try and do as a company raising money is to have any type of debt because they know that they don't want, they want to put money into your company equity money for you to invest in products and services and all kinds of stuff marketing whatever they do not want to see that money go straight out the door to mm. your debt holders so that's a big issue for us mm. um, I think it's also going to be interesting to see what comes out of that because not only uh, a deal of some description is, <coughs> is, is I suspect going to be done but I genuinely I have no mm. insight or, or detail on that, but I suspect one will be done. Um, it's a bit potentially. I mean, I don't want to <coughs> over analyze, but it, I, the, with regard to this whole Spotify um, ministry fight about the playlists, as it were, you know, a deal was done. There was lots of chatter about who's going to win, who's going to lose. It's a small world. Does everyone want to enrich lawyers and actually get on with business? Probably the latter. But you love people in litigation. I can't stand litigation. I really can't. You're I'm, just going Christmas bonus I'm, in I'm a, July. I'm a lawyer, not a fighter. Oh. <laughs> You've fine-tuned that one, haven't you? Is that your business card? <laughs> it should be. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the other... Uh, it's quite related to this in that uh, Spotify... Outside, oh, sorry, uh, SoundCloud outside of on SoundCloud that hasn't really kind of got much monetization yet. They've got premium subscriptions, but they've not really said... 
how much they are uh, are kind of bring it in but a big theme that's kind of dominated the year certainly driven by people like universal and sony and ministry is this war on free or on freemium so what's your take on that because it kind of it's been a slow roller and then kind of lucy lucy and greens came out middle of the year wasn't it or earlier this year there was a huge thing about it yeah it was like freemium was going to get shut down yeah well yeah well you had you had like lucy and greens attacking you had doug morris attacking i think he said the the, the free is the worst thing yeah and free is death i think yeah that was was, uh, yeah yeah free i compared with death was doug morris's line yeah but having said i mean the music industry it's not like the music industry has ever given away anything for free or engaged in any promotional activity or done things uh, in order uh, radio uh, uh, music MTV, videos MTV, uh, MTV uh, in-store promotions etc etc et MTV is something that hangs over the music industry a little bit mm-hmm. that Absolutely. time we gave away that stuff amongst, free that we amongst the Doug Monish generation certainly yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it was considered you know, the well look, look what's happening in relation to radio royalties in the States I mean because it was promotional mm. that's why record companies don't get paid now they're trying to put that genie back in the bucket very difficult to argue. Mm. So to argue that promotion is death, I think, is somewhat silly. However, I think the real issue is that going on about the freemium or free tier is a load of nonsense when you've got services such as YouTube out there with, you know, where it's all available for free and you are seeing people, certainly under 20s, but millennials as well, using it as radio. It doesn't feel like a fair fight, and it feels like the wrong fight is being picked with the wrong people at the wrong time. No one talks about piracy anymore as the, the main enemy of Spotify. No one, you remember sort of started, it was like, this is alternative to piracy. Yeah. Now it's all, well, Spotify's problem is YouTube. No one talks about Yeah, Mark, 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 Mark Mulligan was on the Today programme talking about them as, and I've got to, sorry, Mark, I'm going to say this wrong, but it was almost like p- licensed pirate sites, you know, such as YouTube. You can make it more libelous. You can say, yeah. Mark Mulligan said this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the evil Mark Mulligan said. But it's his point trivial. was, it was completely trivial. I didn't realise actually how easy it was until I, I did it for research purposes the other day, but it's so trivial to record a song from, mm. from, from YouTube. Yeah. There's a service called. Pego or Peggle or something where you just type in there's literally you hundreds copy a, yeah there's an mp3 converter thing that <laughs> happened in the browser for yeah, yeah you just put it in the youtube yeah and it just downloads straight away and, and the kids got got MP3. MP3. I mean do kids want to have downloaded no I think they want to put them on their youtube videos they want to put them in their iPhone they want to drop box into people they want to attach them to messages that's one thing I wanted to say you can't do that with streams you need an mp3 or something if you want to start editing it or playing around with mm. it putting it attached to something else mm. so there'll still be a use case for downloads yeah. <laughs> illegal or legal well is that is that kind of related to what's that facebook thing free button as well that's kind more, of that's more uploading someone yeah but ripping ripping something from facebook. youtube and then uploading it straight kind of to facebook a lot of youtube creators getting really cross about facebook because they'll, they'll do like they'll drop a condom full of water on their head and get like 30 million views on youtube huh. and someone rips it and puts it on facebook like all these things like Lads, what's it? Uni lads. Yeah, or, I don't I, think I, they're, they're, they're all, Facebook pages. Yeah, like, uni, uni lad have a very environmentally aware approach to content online. They're very keen to recycle stuff. <laughs> on the amount of apps on, particularly on Android, but also on iOS, you search. You know, I occasionally search for music on on apps to see what's going on, and um, the amount of, uh, and they just like pop up all the time, and they're always high up the chart. They've always got millions of downloads, and they're saying free streaming or whatever. And basically, they're YouTube and SoundCloud aggregators. Yeah. They 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 strip they use the APIs to strip mm. off the videos and they start playing it to you and some of them are quite sophisticated. Wait, I'm it? surprised that that stuff's still going on now. I really I mean and they are huge. But that's li- that's the legalized piracy thing. Yeah, but is it is the label stuff cyclical? Because I remember when Spotify got forced to put track caps on, 
Do you remember that? They were like, yeah. you could only listen to the track five times. Yeah, that was on the, on the free tier. And that yeah. was labelled and you tracking down on the free tier of Spotify, and then it went away. Mm. Well, they, well, they kind of experimented with things like this. Like, iTunes, for a little while, let them lock certain big hit singles to an album. Mm. This is kind of going back eight, ten yeah. years ago. Ten hours of free listening. Yeah. Like that, yeah. So they, they've kind of experimented with these things, but they've never but again, kind of proven said, to be the default. Said, as long as YouTube... And to a certain extent, SoundCloud are there, completely free, completely unrestricted, completely uncapped. Uh, it's, it's it's not a level playing field. But a, also, and, and just to the point about the various, how should we say, changes that are enforced, um, as someone, and I know Ben has as well, when you've had to deal with the likes of licensing these services, all you need is one rights holder out of a hundred to say this is what must happen. Because you can't just do it in relation to someone's catalogue. Mm. And even worse if it's on the publisher's side as well. So only one person needs to insist on some new thing that basically means you have to impose it for everyone. And that's another reason that, why no, it's that very, very Fever Nations thing? Well, no, just on the basis of the functionality. So right, if yeah. X Records wants, right, you can only have five plays, mm. you can't only have in relation to X Records content. It's well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's whole the things but that it's, we've been asked for over the years you know, would actually completely break the product. Yes. And often well, it, they're it, written by, well, put it, in by people yeah. who fundamentally don't understand Products, well, it, it, it's just the underlying thing in Holdouts and on Spotify with Coldplay and Adele and Taylor Swift, and they've all said, or their management have said, that they're happy to go on the premium, and they're on, well, Adele is, and, but Coldplay and mm. Taylor Swift are on premium-only services, and so they they say, well, like, you just strip us out from the free tier, we're happy to do that, but as soon as you do that, then it's like, it's an arms race, everybody will just go, right, okay. And like hardly anybody, so the free offering will have like 30 songs and the premium offering will have 30 million Actually, songs. I have, res- I have respect for Spotify for holding that line because the pressure that's been put on them of is course. Huge. immense. Because some labels, labels would like answers. to bring back windowing. Would like to say X amount on premium only and then you can come to the free. Very much like they would hold back a single to radio only, etc. Um, but in reverse. So it would effectively be available for sale but not to listen to free. Hmm. Yeah, but, but the moment, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a binary thing. The moment Spotify does it for, of course, for any of course, artist, it doesn't matter if he's forever. the biggest artist, then no, yeah, like it every be a torrent. Yeah, of course, know, every every a people. Big torrent. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are conscious of kind of running out of time here, because, uh, and I think we should just skip to the last topic, which is probably it's the hot topic of the year, or is it the hot hype of the year? Blockchain. Is this going to save us all, or is this just something that technology geeks are getting excited about, and the wider industry will just be so stuck in its way that it'll never embrace it, and it'll be it'll be a revolution on the periphery rather than the heart I, of the I music don't industry. I think it matters whether or not the um, industry embraces it or not. It's going to happen. Right. Um, what I love about the blockchain is, um, I was saying this the other day, the, the response of banks to the blockchain and digital currency exactly the same as the labels 15 years ago. It's all to do with piracy and crime. It's going to change nothing, nothing to see here. Uh, when actually what it does is it represents complete disintermediation as to why they exist. Um, so some of the smarter banks are looking at blockchain. Blockchain's a thing. And... Um, Bitcoin is to Napster what peer-to-peer is to blockchain. Peer-to-peer is a thing. It's a tool for delivering massive amounts of content in a very, very, very efficient way. The blockchain represents an opportunity to have decentralised register to keep track of stuff, 
but it also allows you to create private blockchains. The five of us in the room can create a blockchain between each other and give us all different permissions as to what we can and can't access. So lots of companies are looking at the blockchain for intranets. You're looking at artists such as Imogen Heap and others who are using it as a way to be able to reward creators, reward fans, allow people to discover, etc., etc. So it is a thing. How you crowbar the existing industry into it is going to be an interesting and one. And there's some well, people I, who, are, who, are, who are entrenched in what they do now. Yeah. I, Surely like, not. Technically, you can see how it will work. <laughs> and then how do you persuade collecting societies and publishing labels yeah. to all? Well, I guess, I guess the reason why we're talking about all of this in relation to music is that uh, uh, we think music report. Sorry, was it? What music was it? Music, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a Berkeley College thing yep. in the summer, and they basically said this is the this is the solution or a solution to transparency in the industry. It, it is, um, a, and, a and it was being sold on that at, at an age when we're getting billions of lines of data, fractions of a penny. Mm -hmm. This is a way to make sense of all of that. But it depends what you're after. If you if you if you want money, you create opacity, right? If you want to go out and steal stuff, it's better when it's dark. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you want transparency, don't, the try, that, don't try that at home. Well, indeed, I'll Cliff Fluey's burgling tips. <laughs> For those who didn't, know, yeah, he's the he's the Noel Gallagher of all music <laughs> law. Someone at home now going, oh man, I did the oh, oh, the hottest day of the year in my with the swag bag and with a big torch. Um, so no, but if you if you want if you want to hide it, then you know that. And a lot of people quite cynically say opacity suits people really really well in certain elements of the industry. But if you're all about transparency and you want to be able to do it direct, then blockchain is a massively efficient, it's massively transparent, and it's massively democratised way of moving stuff, particularly digital stuff. So it could be huge. But whether or not, but the same was true for the internet, emails, and online about building. Oh, perhaps a repertoire database that could be global. Um, and the incumbents. What, 12, 12 million quid later. Indeed. So the incumbents weren't keen on that. But look, when when Willard and the team um, launched Cobalt, um, and said, right, we're going to bring transparency to the publishing industry. They were mocked and derided, and they're doing all right. And we're seeing a number of the publishers now moving towards having Cobalt-esque dashboards and services, and etc. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, even if the industry doesn't embrace, it may have little choice I think, to do. just on blockchain, I think mm. blockchain is a fascinating technology, and we'll have huge ramifications across a number of industries i'm a little bit more more skeptical than cliff on um, well I, I wanted to ask you specifically because you're sitting working with lots of companies who are dealing with these hundreds of lines of, yeah, we, we, of digital we income to, um, we spoke to blockchain entrepreneurs at least three years ago when it wasn't even called blockchain <laughs> Um, I, I preferred them when they were there. They're like that's when they did all the best stuff. I got all the demos. It's really good. It was a they really, chain, they really sold out. <laughs> yeah. The interesting, the interesting thing for me from a sort of technical point of view is the de the decentralized point, as as Cliff made. Yeah. Music, um, the, actually, the download market would arguably be far more suited to a blockchain type of model because you've got decentralization. You've got unique. Uh, you've got units of things, which would be the actual song and all the information around it. Which would, uh, which would then spread across the, the web. Interestingly, Spotify, when it started, was using peer-to-peer -peer quite extensively yeah. in the client to... to it's only in the last couple of years that they, they moved to yeah. kind of yeah. proper servers, didn't they? So often, no, they always had proper servers. Well, no, but I mean, like, 
Exclusively, because the, 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 the whole yes. yeah. even at even at the sorry, peak, the monkeys was, were off the tricycles. Yes. told they didn't have to pedal. Anything. Yes, I think at the peak, Pittsburgh was only handling about twenty percent of their bandwidth. Yeah, but when it, it made it did make a difference when piece when Spotify was predominantly or only a desktop application mm. because it sat on always on connections in people's homes and therefore yeah. there was some efficiency and there was some bandwidth saving for them. So as soon as um, Spotify's consumption started to be mostly mobile, peer to peer wasn't even possible or didn't make any sense you know using people's bandwidth when they're mm -hmm. on data cap connections was not going to be a good a good pr story so spotify went completely centralized and is now completely centralized streaming just because of the technical nature of it because it's on demand and you got you got full access to the entire catalog actually suits a centralized uh, technology more than a decentralized technology mm -hmm. maybe that will change over time but i'm, I'm a little bit Certainly for blockchain and streaming, technically it's possible, but I can't see. Maybe I'm not being no, visionary no, 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 enough. No, 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 no. I, I think from, I just, just from a pure technical point of view. No, no, I completely agree. I think what I've been thinking about is music generally, vis-a-vis -vis delivery of stuff. And I, you know, if you look at what people are prepared to pay for, with regard to digital goods, you know, a lot of the stuff that's shifted on the likes of pledge music are you know they're, they're digital things as it were so i do absolutely agree that from a retail perspective it's far more suited than the actual mechanics of streaming however having a decentralized register of uh, repertoire could be very, very helpful as a separate standalone metadata, product for metadata, yeah. lyrics, and, lyrics all stuff, yeah. and all of that stuff as a complement to the industry. The decentralized music brains on on steroids would, would be, be incredible. Can this welcome, can this yeah. start with a bit like can this start with someone like Imogen Heap working on the platform, putting her song on it, attracting other artists? Like, can this be bit by bit, step by step, or does it have to involve persuading like an entire publishing community to jump on at once? Like, can it be built bit by bit? It's going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't make a download available via the blockchain, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that all the publishing information has to be transmitted and or matched. It can be to bits of paper, as it were. But if you want the hyper-efficient, globalised, transparency thing that Tom York would like, that's going to take a while. Unless you own all of your rights, ab initio, and you control them all, which the likes of Radiohead do. So maybe to one, a greater or lesser extent. Because in a way, in Rainbow, it's a good example of Radiohead saying, we have the ability to do this, so we're going to try it. So but someone it was, like that could try that with this. Just, just on that one, I mean, it was tremendously successful, well changed. We're still talking about it now, but it was very hard. I mm. mean, you know, they had to go around and resign from every collecting society in the world mm. in order to be able to do that as individual um, writers to all those. It's very, very complex. And they still had to work with Warner Chapel. They still and had to, to work with Warner with Chapel. Dyer, Warner Chapel quite yeah. Key to, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, to allow them to be able did, to do they that. They did the master right and the publishing right globally, which was fantastic from a service provider point of view. We loved it because it made our life incredibly uh, easier and it meant transparency and it was it was great, unfortunately. But it didn't start a flood of other artists doing Absolutely the same, not. Exactly the same thing. Quite the opposite. Well, yeah. unfortunately, uh, lots of artists took from that. Oh, let's give away our music, which is exactly what Radiohead didn't do. Yeah. That's that was. I think that was the big issue that in Rainbows was known for naming your own price yeah. rather than actually all the the real innovation was not giving away for free. That's not that innovative, is it? No. Really. Mm -hmm. Um, and no, selling and disc box for forty quid and eighty quid. Well, they, well the, 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 the figure I heard because they were able to absolutely control the production. Their margin was fifty percent on every unit. That was a profit because they went. 
all right, we've got 10,000 orders, we'll manufacture 10,000. There was no overproduction, nothing. So it was like, like it was the most efficient release ever in that sense for them. You're saying because that, that sort of thing, it's like where artists can have power and do something and try something and learn, even if it doesn't work. Whereas, sort of like Tom York in the press, calling YouTube Nazis, yeah. <laughs> I'd much rather see him doing, like he did a bit torrent thing for his album, he tried it out. He, try and he it. talked about how he learned it was really hard. Mm. Like, yeah. That's, I, think, I feel like now's the time when artists actually can do these things, maybe more than they even in the past. Mm. Like an artist like Adele, for example, did that thing with Songkick. And again, there were big problems with that. But I think as an artist in 2016, you'll be able to say, I'm going to see what, if I can... Why doesn't, why, why, why doesn't why doesn't Adele do her next album and just call it blockchain? And that's it. And you have to that's go not a rage. Thing. No, yeah. but they, they, they will just invent a new number. <laughs> you, you're 25, 26, 27... Blockchain, what's 2930. What's, what's, what's the next age in binary? That's probably the way to Imagine going to Sainsbury's there, the person, instead of having a Dell CDs on the front desk, is like going, it's on the blockchain. Yes. I'll leave you to get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which aisle uh, is that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> please use your Nectar card. It will be blockchain now, then. Right, I think we've kind of gone off target there a little bit. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's very unusual for our podcast. Um, we are overrunning in terms of our. our uh, we didn't mention our, Duke Deck. Well, I thought we were going to try and mention Duke. We Deck. can mention Duke Deck. Can we mention right. something today? Isn't it? Yeah. Go on then. Tell so, us all about well, it. I'll, I'll give my two cents, and then Cliff is the real expert. Well, explain it a little bit first. So Duke Deck is a UK company. They went out of stealth mode just today or yesterday, and they announced a decent size um, funding. This will put the uh, the fear of God amongst some music, some of your listeners, because it's algorithmically generated music. You go onto the site, you make a couple of settings, um, length of song, genre, a couple of instrument settings. You press generate. Hey presto, you get a uniquely generated song for you. You download it. You're free to use it on YouTube as your backing video. Uh, sorry, backing song. And if you actually want to do more with it, you can buy out the song for $199. You Then the, the copyright transfers to you and you can then release it. So you could actually release it onto Spotify or, or iTunes um, as your own song. And um, this is the beginning of something quite disruptive, I think. Um, yeah, so Duke Dex is a company that I know um, very well and been an advisor. Um, and they're fantastic. And You would um, say that. Well, no, I wouldn't say. I, I, I. He's, he's. Do, what I should point out because obviously uh, you, you can't see. He's doing a massive Jimmy Hill chin as he's saying they're really <laughs> good. You can do work with that kind of company because you think they're fantastic, and interesting. It's not like there's some dreadful company that come and hire you. Like, he's a lawyer. He worked for anybody. If the cash is in the bank, yeah, I'm getting the contracts in the post. Um, no, so I, 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 I work with them with my um, with my other hat on. I think um, with my 11 hat on, but I think they're, one of the reasons what's really interesting is that it's uh, remarkably refreshing to deal with a music-based company that doesn't have to be worried about the entanglements of copyright. What if it accidentally comes up with a Marvin Gaye song? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do such a thing? I, mean, I don't possible? know. But that's a thing. It's, 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 it's an absurd theory. theory. It's an idiot question, like, but at some point, does it come up with something that is similar enough to attract to be sued? Like... A philosophical question there, or it's a philosophical question. Who controlled all the Parliament Funkadelic catalogue and sued everybody left, right, and centre? Um, I don't. It wasn't George Clinton because it was the guy who, because that was obviously all on Casablanca. But then somebody acquired his publishing, I think, and then would basically because obviously 
loads of people were, were sampling George Clinton stuff in hip hop. Mm. So he would just wait until the single came out and then he would just go, check please, and like sue them inside out. So is it, it's going to struggle to comment on this, but it's, it's technically possible that it would come up with a melody. It could come up with Get Lucky, accident by accident. And like, if with it was the, lucky. The melody, the yeah. phrasing. Yeah. Phrasing and the, the, yeah. well, this this this, this is monkeys typewriter Shakespeare. Exactly. So it is it is monkeys typewriter Shakespeare, and it is probability and statistics. It's probability yeah. statistics, but also, I mean, the really 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 exciting thing about it is there are lots of people who are being very dismissive about algorithms, but the thing that is really really special about uh, Duke Tech is the application of artificial intelligence, and I think that. I said at the BBC conference a couple of weeks ago that I think AI and blockchain will be the two, the two biggies to be watching in the next two to three years. I've, I've got this image though of Noel Gallagher just sitting at home going, a bit Beatlesy and a bit the small faces, take the rest <laughs> oh, of the year off. Controversial. And then just sing and just yeah, sing because yeah, it's, yeah. It's it doesn't do vocals yet. Yeah. Like, imagine Jimmy Iovine though, you'd be like, no, this was made by algorithms, Jimmy. <laughs> Watch him explode into the stratosphere. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, made by thing, a female algorithm. The, the, the also, I mean, I was. <laughs> It's it's like any new technology. I mean, you know, synthesizers weren't allowed on top of the pops yeah, yeah. because the EMU were upset that it was going to overtake people. And we've got drums, drummers, and drum machines. So the really exciting bit about you, there's Deck something is, fundamentally different though. This is algorithms mm. generating the music. This is not they're composing, in fact. But it's B two B, isn't it? Like it's not that like, surely at some point this could be a consumer service. I feel like mellow music to fall asleep to, punch it in, absolutely give me music. It could be. Whereas now you might get to a Spotify sleep playlist, but this could be. But also, you could sing along, and it will create a track to what you're singing. And wow, your this is the new Rebecca Black dance, the new Friday. It's the new. This Friday. is this is literally new music Friday. <laughs> it's new music. Look at that. I do the beast thing. I'm never going to finish this. Like you should fade out with it. Yeah. No, we don't do really fade out. We just yeah. do a hard collapse. Yeah. It's like we'll kind of Iggy Pop falling off stage. You're, you're clapping to my yeah. thing. But no, but it makes it like we could try and create some music that would be. Demonstratively worse than the algorithmically generated music. But <laughs> 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 well, we've been saying today, like it's been a bit of a disappointing year for music startups. Like there's been a lot of, there's been much has been exciting and genuinely this could do something different. Like and there's been a lot of things coming out. Like we're we're the Instagram of music. Share your photos. Oh, music messaging apps. All those right. things. Like but then this that came along. It's been around for a while, but it kind of has launched properly this week. And it's the one thing I've seen that's been like, wow, this is. It makes you genuinely think. What does this mean? And how? Where does it go? And we've kind of been lacking that a bit in the last mm-hmm. year, I think. Yeah, and and it, and it has a, the, the 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 first product has been has been announced at TechCrunch Disrupt, and I'll I'll leave that there. Right there we it's go. Worth checking out. So I should uh, thank Ben and Cliff for uh, joining us, and happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope you have Christmas, what, happy New Year. Yeah, I hope happy you holidays. have. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And let's see correct. who's around yeah. in twelve months. In 12 oh. months' time, we'll have algorithms doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, out of us lot, who's going to be around? <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a bit scary. I'll be dead in the ditch. Well, <laughs> b- b- between between the blockchain and AI um, and the smart contracts, uh, it, it could be the end of all lawyers, that's for sure. Oh, you're the. the no, it's oh, like I'm just teasing you now. It's cockroaches and nuclear war. There is a virtual lawyer. We saw it the other day online. You can send him your contract and he does mm. something with it. That's it. I don't think you can it just. Someone published that list of. Jobs most likely to be replaced by yeah. oh legal would be way up there. Yeah, but it wasn't actually. It was some lawyers were journalism well, very high up there. But it was written by a law firm. Yeah, but you can get, so. you can get journalism's a, happening already. You can get a robot to write a journalism story about earthquake data that's been done, 
but it will inside interviews that you know it just means you have to become better i think rather than yeah, we have to do podcasts yeah, let's do podcast. Let's let's actually stop this podcast so we can talk about scurrilous stuff instead. Yeah. So thank you all, and we'll see you all soon. Cheerio.